Kirsten Davidson, your host and creator of my wellness podcast, Mind the Gaps, surrendering our typical ways of looking at life to step out of our comfort zone and into our growth zone. Welcome to today's episode, Breathwork and Shrooms, where I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Samantha Gladish. Samantha is an entrepreneur that wears many hats and is passionate about life, food, business, women's health, plant medicine, and all things woo. She's a Toronto-based women's holistic health coach, business mentor, public speaker, best-selling author, podcast host, award-winning blogger, breathwork coach, and the founder of holisticwellness.ca. As a holistic health coach, her goal is to teach women how to reconnect back to their true essence, incorporate ancestral wisdom and nutrition, and access uncomplicated modalities to bring about true healing. Samantha and I talk about experiencing altered states of consciousness through psychedelic experiences. These experiences can be elicited from tools within ourselves like breathing and breathwork, and also from outside of ourselves with substances like psilocybin, the psychedelic drug found in over 200 species of fungi. I believe that it's so important to mind the gaps on psychedelic experiences so that we can reclaim them from being just a party drug a way to numb out and run away from our thoughts, emotions, and life circumstances, and instead to use psychedelic experiences as an intentional method for productive introspection, helping us face ourselves and learn more about who we are, who we've been, and how we can continue to show up in the world. And this is what fascinates me most about psychedelic experiences that no matter their origin, research has and continues to demonstrate how they can elicit positive, lasting psychological and physiological transformations, which we'll dive deeper into today. As a disclaimer, the following episode is designed to entertain and inform, not provide medical advice. You should always consult your doctor when it comes to your personal health or before you start any treatment. Samantha, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. To get things started, I asked Samantha if she could tell us a bit about herself, her story, and how she got into this field. I am a nutritionist, business coach, breathwork facilitator, all of the things, cat lover, coffee lover. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I started out in the health and wellness field. Actually, I would say since I was a little girl, I was very connected to health and wellness and food and nutrition. And it was just a very natural, uh, very natural of me to kind of dive into the world of nutrition and kind of make that a career for myself. So I have been practicing for over 15 years as a hormone nutritionist. I no longer coach clients one-to-one anymore, but still do have uh, some online courses and you know share a lot of health and wellness and lifestyle information on social media and whatnot um and yeah so that's kind of where my i would say like in terms of career kind of that's where i started really diving into the the nutrition space and Mm -hmm. um i think for me you know nutrition was such a gateway to really opening me up to connecting to myself and kind of almost a bit of a spiritual awakening. And I think sometimes nutrition and just health and wellness can can do that for a lot of people and just this kind of spark this personal growth. 
And, um, and so from there that led, of course, down this rabbit hole of, you know, self-discovery and diving into all of the things from plant medicine to breath work and, um, being very, uh, I always say, you know, connected to like the woo woo, um, just kind of, (laughs) kind of interested in, in all of that. And, um, in the last few years, I've really spent more time business coaching. I spend a lot of time coaching other practitioners and wellness coaches and helping them grow their online business. And outside of all of that, you know, I am also a breathwork facilitator, as I mentioned, you know, something we're going to be diving into today and chatting about. Yeah. And um, I can, you know, share a little bit more about all of that, I'm sure, as we go on. But, um, you know, that kind of found its way to me in a very organic way. And uh, same with kind of plant medicine and just uh, this, yeah, this, this exploration and diving in and always open and interested in, you know, the spiritual realm and how I can learn more about myself and healing. And that's how kind of all these modalities have kind of come up for me. That's amazing. Thank you so much. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear how when you start one journey, it's like, oh, hang on now, 20 more doors have opened. It's the whole totally. like, the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about the world, the more we realize we don't know. And then we have way more questions. 100%. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I have had the pleasure of attending one of your breathwork classes, which was amazing. Um, I had no idea what to expect. My dad had gone to one before, as you know, so that was, he was just raving about, it. he's like, you have to go. And I love um, I'm like, I love okay, I'll, I'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, well, I'll have to have to go and give it a try. Yeah. So with breath work, I, you know, it always sounds, I feel like sometimes it sounds weird when you say breath work, cause we breathe every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You know, we are alive because we breathe. Um, but with breath work specifically, I don't even know if there's a real definition of what it really is. You know, I can share my definition of what it is. It's really just intentional breathing. And mm-hmm. and with breathwork classes specifically, there's so many types of different breathwork modalities, but I definitely teach one that's a very rhythmic, starting off in a very slow breath and moving into kind of a faster breathing. And, um, I had always practiced, you know, different like box breathing and whatnot and being, uh, having done yoga, my yoga teacher training many, many years ago, right. we learned a lot about pranayama and which is your breath, you know, your life force and connecting that with your movement and yoga. And so I had always been very interested and, and just aware of my breath and the importance of proper breathing. And it w- really wasn't until a couple of years ago, I ended up actually attending a breathwork class. I feel like in the past couple of years, there's just been this crazy, you know, explosion of breathwork and classes and facilitators and all of that. And so yeah. even though I had been practicing a little bit on my own at home, it really wasn't until I attended an actual breathwork class and was really guided that I had just a really profound experience. And Mm -hmm. I was in this breathwork class and um, in this class specifically, we were kind of like sitting up against a wall and, you know, had an eye mask on, being guided through very rhythmic, rhythmic breathing. And it was about an hour class. And I, I just remember just seeing all this like white light 
And the light was so bright that I actually thought somebody was flashing a light, like turned on a light that I remember. And I was sitting up against the wall and I remember turning around to be like, who is flashing this light? And, and then I realized I'm up against the wall. Of course, there's no one there. There's no one flashing a light. This is crazy. I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing these, this beautiful white light, just like flowing towards me. And I saw like angels and I was like frolicking in this like field. Like it was actually a very psychedelic experience without the use of psychedelics. And because I had used psychedelics numerous times before this experience, to be in this state in this breathwork class was just mind blowing to me. Like my mind was blown. And it was such a beautiful experience and it was so euphoric that I was crying tears of joy sitting up in this class against this wall and just like in this person in in this person's basement and just was like oh my god this is just the the wildest thing i had ever experienced and so i i had left that class and initially like my instinct was just like i have to teach this i have mm-hmm. to teach this i really want others to experience this especially having experienced psychedelics for quite a few years now and diving into that realm I know how how so many people can feel really uncomfortable getting started with psychedelics or diving yeah. into that or going to a ceremony and there's a lot of hesitation and discomfort that can come up around that and so knowing that you can really get to these psychedelic states with just your breath I was like I got to teach this because this can be how you know people who are maybe not wanting to do psychedelics, this can be one of these ways where people can really access these deeper states of consciousness and and healing. And so that's how kind of that journey started with just really that that one specific class was just mind blowing. And then from there, I was like, that's it. I'm going to go study this. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to be a facilitator. I want to teach it. And um, yeah, that's how the breathwork journey specifically kind of started for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so cool to hear hear you describe your first experience with it. Um, Because yeah, me and my family are also uh, big happy criers. So (laughs) through the end end of the session too, like I was was crying in the class and I I was not expecting that. Um, And then at the end to like share with um, even you and your husband and for me, my dad to share his experience with me, like it was so, so powerful. And that was also kind of a catalyst for myself. Like I've been really diving into the topic of psilocybin and super interested in it. And my dad was like, well, you know, this is a good place to start because it's like a psychedelic trip. Um, and so I, I don't know what that's like yet. Yes. (laughs) So, um, having it, having it in that setting was, was so eye-opening and, and really, really cool. I was not expecting that, that type of like profound, um, psychedelic aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I know. And it's just amazing. Like as a facilitator now, just to be able to witness that and see what others experience, it's just, yeah. it's really beautiful. And so, especially for first timers to tell them like, you just, you just got to try it. You just got to come, you know, like so many people are like, you know, what's the big deal? You know, oh yeah. Psychedelic, yeah. Eh, whatever, you know, I'm just breathing. Like, you know, you don't know until you experience it. And right. it can be so profound and just so beautiful and very like releasing in a way. 
I've recently taken an interest in psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, PAP for short, specifically using mushrooms in a therapeutic format. I think it would be fascinating to one day become certified in facilitating PAP. So I've been doing some digging on the subject and I thought I would share some of what I've been learning. Psilocybin was at the forefront of cutting-edge clinical research in the 1950s and 60s as an effective treatment method for mental health concerns, mainly because of how it can give us new and unimagined perspectives on the human experience. As author and biologist Merlin Sheldrake reports, mushrooms can help us to, quote, loosen our certainties about the world, end quote. Psilocybin in this context is primarily known for reducing our fear of death, facing our own mortality, achieving a sort of acceptance, and learning to then embrace the beauty of life, whether we have five more years on this earth or 50. A huge benefit of this type of transformation, and my personal favorite, is undoing our trauma responses. In the 2019 Netflix documentary called Fantastic Fungi, you'll find a study included from the University of Southern Florida on psilocybin use with mice. What they did was they first conditioned the mice to have what's called a conditioned fear response. They would shock the mice at the same time as they played a loud noise, and the mice then developed a conditioned fear response of cowering and shaking whenever the researchers played the noise, even without administering a shock. So what happened here is the mice associated the noise with the shock. So even with the absence of the shock, they cowered. Now, normally it would take several trials of the noise being played without a shock being paired with it for the mice to stop cowering at the noise alone. And this is called extinction of a conditioned response, when the behavior becomes extinct. But when they administered a dose of psilocybin just once to these mice, they stopped cowering at the sound alone. Their conditioned fear response was gone. It was extinguished. As a therapist, watching this part of the documentary had me absolutely floored. I work with clients to undo fear responses through nuanced therapeutic processes and guided introspection, and there's a drug that has done this in one go? I thought to myself, yes, we're more complex than mice, but what is this stuff? You know, a lot of people think about mushrooms and they kind of go back to those like teenage experiences. Oh yeah, like I ate shrooms when I was young. And um, whereas now, you know, being older, it's using shrooms really as a catalyst for like healing and using them in more of a ceremonial yes. setting, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, my experience uh, started a couple of years ago and I had, I'd done them at home actually with with my husband. Actually, he was kind of my, my sitter, so he would just sit there. He didn't he didn't do shrooms. I I did them. And he was sit, okay. sitting there to just kind of watch and like support me through it. And then vice versa the following weekend, like he did that. And I was his sitter. Um and and just to kind of, you know, preface that and just give a little bit of context around that experience specifically, you know, the reason we had done it at home by ourselves was because we had already been experiencing plant medicines and specifically ayahuasca and going okay. to different ceremonies and having work with many shamans and whatnot that we felt very comfortable to be in a ceremony setting with just the two of us. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're doing mushrooms for like the very first time and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to do this at home and have a friend sit there with me. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I definitely wouldn't advise doing it 
alone. That's for sure. But um, I just think because we had the experience with other psychedelics, we just felt very comfortable doing that. And so that was kind of my first experience. And I've had many since then. And Mm -hmm. um, they've all just been really beautiful. I don't even know how else to describe them because it can be so hard to describe psychedelic journeys. It really can be hard. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because there's a questionnaire to determine whether an experience is a spiritual experience, right? Or a psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, are you are you having difficulty putting it into words, right? And so it's like, if you're having difficulty putting it into words, it was probably a, whether you want to call it psychedelic, spiritual, God moment, like whatever, whatever right. feels great to you. It is definitely very hard to put into words because some of the things that you see in the vision is just like when you're trying to explain a dream to somebody. And how weird your dreams can be, right? Right. It's it's very similar in like a psychedelic experience, what you see and what you feel and how how real it is. And you're entering these different realms or these portals. It it, you know, when you explain it to someone, you kind of sound like a crazy person. Yeah. And right. And so those have really been my experiences. And for the most part, they've been very light and beautiful and transformative. And, you know, I think that there's also the flip side where a lot of people can have some more um you know dark experiences more challenging experiences and i think that can all be very dependent on personal trauma and childhood trauma and any kind of trauma right you know we have our big t traumas and our our little t traumas and so it and and that can definitely come up in your either in breath work or in your you know, psychedelic ceremonies or plant ceremonies. And, um, but that's also the beauty of doing exactly plant medicine, right? We, there's the, there's the light and the dark and you never know really what you might be, um, confronted with in, in your ceremony. And, but the beautiful thing is, is that it's really helping to bring a lot of these subconscious experiences to the surface and allowing Mm -hmm. us to feel them and allowing us to move through them and heal them. And so this is why so many people do plant medicine or do breath work because it really is this release of and letting go and healing these experiences so that we can really, you know, move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you talk about the light and the dark there, right? Because it's, it is the whole concept of like facing, facing the darkness to move through it. People who suffer from, from very serious, whether it's chronic illnesses, such as cancer, like chronic pain, depression, anxiety, PTSD, ADHD, addiction, like the list goes on. They have found treatment in this, right? Successful treatment from just one, two or three trips. That's what's really blown my mind and sparked my interest on all of this is, you know, they go into this with with a lot of, we can say, darkness in them, right? Like feeling right. like they they have a lot of heaviness they want to work through, um, whether it be trauma or w- like whatever it is, and um, and finding solace through the the process coming out the other end completely changed. Like it's, I found it really interesting in the, in the, um, documentary, fantastic fungi, they talk about so good, right? Yeah. It blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and they talk about how people will categorize their psychedelic experience taking psilocybin as one of the most, um, spiritually significant moments in their life. 
And it's funny because the researcher, as he's describing it, is like, well, these people must have pretty boring lives then. But then they, they did more research on it. And, and people were equating this to like the birth of a child or like the death yeah. of a parent. And so the change that this can spark, it's just uh, it's it's super interesting. It really is. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of research that's demonstrating how psilocybin can really evoke different synaptic rewiring in the brain, especially like right. in the frontal cortex. And that's so fascinating because it's going to improve our how our brain is communicating and our thoughts and our experiences and all of that. It's like really creating these new neuronal neuronal networks and just this rewiring in the brain is just I mean, there's so much research that's starting to come out. And it's so amazing how much research there is because, yeah. you know, having led sacred mushroom ceremonies myself and guiding others through these experiences, we obviously have all of our guests like fill out forms and, and speak with their doctor. And not one person has ever come to one of our experiences saying, oh, my doctor said I shouldn't do this. Right. All their doctors have been on board. And, you know, we've had women who have come to, I say we, because I co-facilitate a, a mushroom retreat with a girlfriend of mine. And, you know, we've had women come to our retreats who have been on antidepressants for 12 years and have gotten off their antidepressants mm -hmm. and, you know, have been smokers, drinkers. And like all of these habits have just, just died, just gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to see that. And it's, really amazing to see all the research that's coming out because we have a lot of really like medical backing and approval. I wanted to take a moment here to provide some more historical context on the use of psilocybin for improving overall well-being. I spoke earlier about the expansive research in the 50s and 60s on using psilocybin in a therapeutic way. During that time and to date, Psilocybin was and is shown to be an especially effective treatment for substance abuse and addiction. Now, this I find especially ironic because the drug became blacklisted in the 70s when it was falsely labeled as having a quote, high potential for abuse. The 1970 Controlled Substances Act classified psilocybin as a Schedule I drug. Schedule I drugs are defined as having zero accepted safety for use, even under medical supervision and a high potential for abuse. The other drugs that mushrooms were listed beside on this act included things like heroin and methamphetamine. The research on psilocybin for treating mental health concerns went quiet for 30 years, until the early 2000s when the Controlled Substances Act was amended and it classified psilocybin as a Schedule III drug, defined as having moderate potential for abuse, slightly different. Mushrooms are now legally allowed to be used in research and in certain treatment settings. In Canada, it's only legal to take mushrooms in a therapeutic setting for three reasons. One, you're in palliative care. Two, you have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder that has been deemed untreatable through other forms of therapy or medication. And three, you choose to participate in a research trial on psilocybin. I'm excited to see how and when these rules might continue to be amended as more research surfaces over the coming years to witness how mushrooms might grow their roots even deeper into the world of psychotherapy.
I love how you use the term woo-woo, right? And people use that all the time, like, oh, it's just woo-woo stuff. And I I use it too. But but the woo-woo is also backed with science. And and this is where it's it's so interesting that like they're not at odds with each other, right? Like neuroplasticity is a scientifically based theory um, that has been proven true, right? Like we have synapses in our brain that will be rewired when we are doing certain things, whether that's going to therapy and reconditioning ourselves or taking a substance and reconditioning ourselves, doing breath work, like the reconditioning can happen in so many different forms. Um, And so I I appreciate how you also distinguish there the difference between using it as a party drug and using it intentionally. Yes. When it's used as a party drug, it's, it's, you know, usually an avoidance tactic, right? Like how do we escape reality when really it's, it's, you know, best used when we are forced to face ourselves. Like when it's an introspection, a facing versus a running away from. Yeah. 100%. Cause I've had so many friends who have said, oh yeah, you know, my husband and I went and got some mushrooms. We did them on the weekend, but we just sat around giggling and laughing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they look at me like, what, how are you having these transformative experiences? And I'm like, well, exactly. you know, the setting and the environment of how you took your mushrooms compared to how, how I took mine, the intention behind it, you know, all of it, um, yeah. all of it matters and impacts your experience. Right. That's cool. You talk about people who they've come in and they've been on antidepressants and then they try this and then, you know, they no longer feel that they need that medication. And I think that's a big uh, reason as to why this has been, you know, shoved out of research for so long and is only recently resurfacing because it's not a very good business model, right? Like, well, if you take, if you take psilocybin one, two, three times and you experience this change, um, that doesn't really you know, mesh well with the medical model of here's this pill you have to take every day for the rest of your life. For sure. Like that's not, you know, it doesn't really work in, in the terms of business. Right. Absolutely. Hence why we had the war on drugs how many years ago, because people are expanding and, you know, healing and growing. And I really think it was just more so the war on consciousness than it was anything else. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to say that. For anyone interested in learning more about the war on drugs, I would highly recommend checking out the book called Chasing the Scream, written by one of my favorite and best-selling authors, Johan Hari. So kind of jumping back to breathwork for a second, um, what are what are some of the benefits of breathwork and what can people expect from a breathwork class? Because like we said, when we hear that, it's like, well, what do you do in a breathwork class? Like we, we always breathe. What does that even look like? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really good question. So I'll kind of just take you through the format of my class and what that looks like. And of course, there's so many different kinds of modalities, breathwork modalities. So it can look very different depending on, you know, which one you're doing and which class you go to. Um, And so I had mentioned earlier that with my breathwork, it's a it's very rhythmic breathing and we're breathing to music. So the music itself really does take you on a journey just as much as the breathwork is going to take you on a journey. And the music is very intentional. And so essentially it's an hour class Mm -hmm. and, you know, the first 30 minutes of the class, I spend time prepping everybody and getting them to, you know, feel as comfortable as they can for something that is sometimes can be really hard to explain Um, and just getting them to feel really comfortable in terms of expectations and taking them through that. There's all sorts of things that can come up. You know, you are expelling more carbon dioxide than usual in a breathwork class because you're breathing a lot quicker and you're breathing with that intention and that depth. And so with that 
you know, uh, carbon dioxide, what ends up happening is it can change, uh, you know, body temperature. So you can often feel either really, really hot or really, really cold. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely seen people in class who, you know, are like, putting because you, you I always recommend to bring a blanket and bring an eye mask uh, to, to class and you know I'll see people like putting on their sweater and then putting their blanket on and like putting their jacket and like all the things and they're just like because they're really really cold or yeah. the complete opposite and I've definitely had friends in my class where I've seen like one sock come off and then the next sock come off and then like <laughs> yeah it's just really you know one arm comes out of their one sleeve and like because they're just like super hot um and so so temperature can definitely change uh often you might experience what's called tetany and it is really the simplest way to explain it is claw hands and that sounds kind of funny but uh really your hands do kind of go claw like and they they kind of stiffen up and it's very common to happen in your hands also in your legs or your feet and some people do experience it in their jaw as well and it's okay. totally normal. It just, it doesn't last very long, you know, for the amount of time you're breathing, maybe 30 to 40 minutes is, is really how long it will last. And after you come out of the breath work, it will, it will just kind of um, loosen up, but it can feel a little, a little weird when you're in class and you get these claw hands that you feel like, you know, you don't have control over <laughs> these hands are kind of stiffening up. And I, yeah. it's, it always happens to me in my hands. I know for my husband, he does experience it in his jaw. And I know a lot of people experience it in their feet. Um, I haven't experienced that myself, but it's definitely always been in my hands. I don't know if you experienced that when you were in my class. I actually true. didn't. I didn't experience it. But I remember at the start when you were describing this, the girl beside me was laughing because she was yes. like, oh yeah, that almost happens to me. Really what's happening in a breathwork class is you're, you're moving. Yes, you're expelling kind of that carbon dioxide at a faster rate, but you are you're moving through these these brainwave states and you typically you know in our everyday everyday state we're kind of in this like gamma and beta state and mm -hmm. that's where we have like heightened awareness and problem solving you know we, we're busy we're in our work day we're thinking and problem solving all of the things and those are kind of the gamma and beta waves and then okay. in breath work what's happening is you can start to move through that very like critical thinking heightened awareness state and move more into like the alpha state which is your relaxation state and then mm -hmm. moving from the alpha into the theta state which is more of a meditative state and creativity and as you start to move through these states your body starts to experience this sense of calm and this peace starts to come over you um, sometimes your heart rate can start out very fast, but then it starts to actually lower. A mm. lot of people feel like their body becomes very heavy and they're just like melting into the earth. And right. that's how I always feel. I just feel yeah. like I really melt into the earth and it's just this, it's like letting go that happens. And it's, it's a really beautiful sensation, especially for people who are very critical thinkers always in their head overthinking busy brain yeah. like i definitely have very busy brain so yeah. oh me too <laughs> yeah right and so to sit there and to do just like a meditation doesn't actually work for me i mm. I, I really can't just sit and just listen to a meditation combining the meditation with the breath work now that i can do because the breath work again takes you through those those brain waves 
really helps to kind of slow it down, bring you into that meditative state. So now I can really like integrate with the meditation and really integrate with my body. Otherwise, just again, just sitting there, I'm just like, I, like I can't, I can't do this. I gotta like, I gotta change the the brain wave first. I almost feel like I gotta get into that state like yeah. physically, and yeah. then like the meditation can really land for me. So that's actually a lot of the feedback that I hear. A lot of people will say to me like, "Oh, I can't meditate, but to sit here and do the breath work, that felt very meditative for me." Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's such a beautiful way to, to describe like re- just regulating your body. Right. And I talk about that yes. with my clients. Like, you know, they'll say like, I tried, I tried that technique we talked about, which would be like challenging a belief or something. Right. But well, I, I, cu- I couldn't do it. And okay, well, tell me, tell me what was happening when you were trying that. And well, my, my heart was elevated and I was like breathing heavily and whatever. And it's like, well, okay, of course you're not going to be able to, you know, intellectually challenge when you are right. physically dysregulated. So the first step is always like regulate the body. Yes. And this is so cool to be able to draw on everything we already have within us. Like we have our lungs, <laughs> we have our esophagus, like we can, we can breathe. So let's use that to regulate our bodies. And then we're Absolutely. more open. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great way of, of really, you know, explaining it. And I love how you work with your clients with that. Um, that's, that's important. You know, it's the work that we really need and combining something like that with breath work would just be like mind blowing for so many oh, of your, no, that's your why when I was, experiences. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why when I, when I was in the class with you and you were talking about the inner child stuff and everything, it was just like, wow, this is, I got, I got to have this woman on the show. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, what you can, you know, expect in a breathwork class in terms of what might happen to you physically, even on Mm -hmm. an emotional level, as you're starting to move through those brain waves. And because you're in this very meditative state, um, you can now actually start to bring more of these subconscious experiences to the surface Mm -hmm. that you couldn't otherwise access. And so this is where people can really start to have an emotional release and like emotional mental releases. Um, you might cry. Uh, you might have visions. A lot of people get visited by their ancestors and all, all sorts of things can actually happen in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, you've kind of like removed that block and that veil and like you're really essentially kind of entering this new portal where like what's typically accessible to you in your everyday you, you know, you, you, you can't see that, but now, but now you actually can, like now you have this awareness of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this is where people can really have this profound breakthrough. And so in my, my class specifically, we're breathing for about 35 to 40 minutes and really going mm-hmm. through the breath work and we're breathing to music. And then after that, after the actual breath work, I guide people through like a very visionary meditation. And then after that meditation, we, we are in what's called integration, where you're just lying there with all that's coming up for you, listening to music. Um, and that's kind of what the class looks like. So again, each class will be different. Um, and also, you know, with like, for example, just going back to psilocybin, you, you know, the main compound in psilocybin is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Mm-hmm. And we also naturally produce that and so this is why with breath work you can have this very psychedelic experience because actually we have dmt that we can access in our lungs but also in the brain it's been shown to be in the blood in the um cerebrospinal fluid so breath work Mm -hmm. can really help you and and there's not a 
ton of research around this, specifically with DMT and breath work. Uh, we're starting to see that that this is most likely what's starting to happen is as you're moving through these brain waves and you're really connecting you know to your body and getting into this state of calm and peace you actually have this release of dmt naturally and this is what wow. can lead to more of like a psychedelic type experience wow i did not know that about the dmt aspect mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. really really interesting i was just talking with my brothers about that the other day about dmt and how like taking that by itself right and what that would be like and how intense of an experience that can be but it's it's always such a beautiful reminder to to us and the listeners that like we have these compounds inside of us right yes. like i yes. think people because it feels scary will jump to like oh that's unnatural well it exists literally within us so mm -hmm. what like what is natural then <laughs> exactly exactly and and that's why in my very first breathwork class where i had that profound experience that very psychedelic experience mm. um i was just like wow this 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 feels like i'm on shrooms but yeah. I'm not. <laughs> and the fact that I can access this on my own without this external substance was just so profound to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so cool to, to think about the different experiences that everyone can have, whether it's physical or, or psychological and all usually both, right? Like for me in, in your class, my biggest takeaway was the physical trip of it. Like, yes, there was mm. the mental, emotional stuff going on for me yeah. um, with more introspective and inner child stuff. But at one point I, I physically felt that I was one, I was floating on water. And then you had said something, you had said something, and I don't even remember specifically what it was but I felt myself sink. And then I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like I was water and it was the weirdest thing. And it lasted for the last it. like 10 minutes. And I was like, it just felt like what it felt to be water. water. Not that I would know what that's <laughs> like, but it reminded me of this, this one guy who was in an interview on one of the documentaries I watched. And he said that he, he became a tree and he like felt himself growing as a tree. And Again, like you said, when people describe these experiences, yeah. you sound like insane. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but, like, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it is pretty indescribable. You know, in a class, maybe none of this will happen for you in, right. in full transparency, yeah. right? You know, you might just go to a class and just feel really calm. And that's great. You might fall asleep. That, that's often happened <laughs> with, a, yeah. with a few people in class. They, again, in such a calm state where they fall asleep. Um, you know, sometimes we go to these classes really attached and wanting to have a very profound experience because we heard so-and-so had a profound experience, but sometimes that may not be the case for us. And right. I know that, you know, sometimes, especially in my class, like you're lying down, you're on a yoga mat. And sometimes for people, they're just like, oh, I was uncomfortable, my back hurt. And they were just, you know, constantly focusing on that or my shoulder felt uncomfortable and I, and I couldn't get that out of my head. And I was thinking about my kids and how I forgot to do this thing. And so sometimes it can be a challenge because number one, we don't spend enough time quieting our mind and connecting mm -hmm. with our bodies. And so we go to a class and, you know, we have this expectation like, okay, I'm here for an hour and I meant to do this. But sometimes our brains are so busy, we, we can't, we can't, we just mm -hmm. can't get there. So I'm just going to encourage people that if that's been your experience, that's okay. But to keep going back and to keep yeah. showing up for it, because now that you have the experience and you know what to expect, it might actually become easier as you keep going back. And I can really promise you that you can definitely get there 
it just might take a little bit of time. Some people experience it on their very first class and others, the others don't. Right, right. It reminds me of what I heard in, in another podcast. They talk about how meditation of any kind is like exercising a muscle, right? So you go to the gym once, you come home, it's not like you're like, oh, gun show right away. It's right. <laughs> like it takes time. Right. Um, and, and they describe meditating as the same thing as like exercising this mental muscle. And then over time, you start to feel the benefits. And I thought that was really interesting because as I talked about in my first episode, like people get really frustrated with the concept of meditating and mindfulness, right? right. So coming in and feeling like oh, I can't quiet my mind. Which, which brings it back to exactly what you said of like, well, let's rely on our body to help us quiet our mind, right? Like quiet the body first and then mind second, um, because we can't quiet the mind if our body's dysregulated. So totally. I think, yeah, the breath works just such a beautiful way to, to put us in that more like open state versus uh, resisting. And same with shrooms, as I'm saying that, like so much of what I've heard about doing psilocybin is the more open you are, the more likely you're going to have a spiritually positive experience, right? Even if that means facing pain throughout it. But if you are resisting, same with life, like if you are resisting, you're in suffering. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Samantha, for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to answer questions today. Thank you. It was great being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, it's always appreciated for you to follow Mind the Gaps on your podcast streaming platform and to share it with your friends and family. To stay up to date on the show, you can find me on Instagram at kirsten.davidson. Thanks for minding the gaps with me today. I'll see you next time on the journey out of our comfort zone and into our growth zone.